going on? Well, I would say watching it snow, but I've got the uh, blinds closed in here. But I noticed as I was in the other rooms, it's getting white outside. I, too, am watching the snow come down. It is just rainy here. You may hear the heat blowing the blinds. I have them open for once. It's these old blinds, like from the 80s, the real thin metal ones. Oh, yeah. You might get hear them in the background clanging against the window. If so, tune it out. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just life. You ignore it. It's like everything else in life that's unsatisfactory. <laughs> Speaking of satisfaction, uh, I'm going to toss that into our hat to be our. Let, let's, t- let's chew this up into the ThoughtWorks machine and see uh, what comes out the other side. How would you define satisfaction? <clears throat> I would think of satisfaction. Happiness has a role in it, but I would think satisfied is more of a long-term thing instead of an immediate thing. Uh, You'd have to have feelings of accomplishment in there with it. Happiness, I don't know. That's my generic, just without looking at anything online, that's for putting it into words. It's definitely a different feeling from being happy. Well, What have you come to? Unfortunately, I have done a little bit of prep work as they say for this and jotted some notes a while back when we talked about maybe uh putting this one inside the hard hat so i have a little bit of head work on it and i at one point uh i kind of want to i like doing definitions because that always gives us something to agree or disagree on that one uh, definition that included both was happiness is the state of bliss in the heart or mind while satisfaction is the state of contentment so they sound very similar and a lot of times anything similar in english gets misused and abused by all or part of us on a regular basis and when i first had this thought after we'd kind of discussed possibly doing this i just started jotting things down and i'll I'll just read this quote list to you and then we might pick it apart or or jump onto the rest of this and that is uh glocks uh pistols for those people who may not know my zero yeah my zero pitcher screwdrivers bargain purchases that work as intended buying on sale open box from private sellers end of a run or a race end of a work day when i have slayed the dragons a meaningful class discussion, fun time with family, inspiring others to do or be, unplanned, timely things that worked out. That is a one I'd really like to go back to if I had to explain. A long conversation with a good friend or person, learning something I did not understand, on and on. Mm. Some of those, that's been a while. I mean, those are the first, I kind of like just to put down ideas and sometimes they apply, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they're misdirected. And I think the items on that list definitely fall into that because from some of the reading and some uh, psychologist's point of view, satisfaction had a lot to do with stuff and or a state of contentment, which a lot of times has to do with stuff or status. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a lot of stuff to be satisfied or content. I mean, there there are some, not a lot, but there are a lot of people who have managed to have some level of contentment, whatever their status of stuff is. Do you think is satisfied and contentment, are they just synonyms or is there... Is there more of an acute thing with content and satisfied is more? Uh, that's a good um, way to look at it. I, can Satisfaction might be after a series of contentments. 
or upon contentments of that. Does that make sense? I think so. So those things you just listed off are things that give you satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, my life doesn't pinch on these. Like I said, it was just kind of a, a mind puking thing. Right. Um, I like it when things work the way they're supposed to, which that's really where that's kind of what was on my mind that uh, day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking goodness. of that, <laughs> yeah, be careful with updates, recording things, goodness, computers in general. If you don't have to update. Don't. <laughs> speaking of just what I'm unsatisfied with, <clears throat> I've been talking to Darren a little bit about buying some shocks for my motorcycle. And I'm right between in a gray area between, um, uh, weights for the shocks. I could go either way, and I don't know if I should get stiff or soft. Anyway, long story short, I figured I would email the, the maker of these shocks, which is Progressive Suspension, and they have an email address on their uh, website. So I type out a good little paragraph, not super long, not super short, gets to the point, because I know people reading these things don't want to sit there all day. Go to hit send, get the return. Huh mail return this something about not receiving any whatever that's highly irritating when you have it on your website to email you and it doesn't work oh bars always you think it was a bad link it was just an email address and i sent it to the email address i guess i could call the 800 number but god so much easier just to email somebody can take their time to respond and you know think about what they're saying whereas on the on the phone you have to say it immediately without thinking and right I don't know. This conversation can go around. So I was unsatisfied with that, but we can continue on. That's a good example of satisfaction is something as simple as email. I know this is the day and the time of, uh, if it's for a broad audience, tweeting, maybe Facebook is kind of a different platform, but text messaging amongst individuals. And I find myself just really apprehensive to email, not in the case like you laid out, but I'm, I'm going to communicate with you. I'm not going to send you an email. I might send you an email that lists several articles or things of bulk. But if I want to communicate with you in the immediacy or even in a delayed fashion, it's going to be text messages. Text messaging is the greatest accomplishment of communications in our lifetime, I think. And the greatest I mean, downfall? I, have, uh, I don't know about downfall. I think so there's some other things. I don't know. Maybe as far as grammar and people being able to speak correctly, but I just love it. Like it For all the reasons I mentioned about email, like I can respond if I want. I can think about what I say. <clears throat> I can respond when it's timely. I just don't like talking on the phone. I don't know if it's some kind of weird anxiety thing. Um, It never used to be that way. I used to call people all the time before texting, and maybe it's a learned thing now that there is text. But I love it. You can send links now, and like like we were just saying, you can send me a certain uh, section of a podcast to listen to, Mm -hmm. and it's just fantastic. For some stuff, is easier over the phone when you're like when I'm riding down the road on the bike, for example, and got the headset on, can't text you, but right text messaging is very satisfying for the most part, except for those people who uh, don't ever respond, who act like, oh, I never got it. We mm-hmm. all know you're lying. You got the text message. Just respond. Not a good it's been world three days to do that respond. in now. <laughs> we know you got it. I even have my red receipts on because I don't know. Just whatever. One, one could say, I'm sorry, and then whatever you want to follow up with that, but I, I didn't see. That's a weird kind of duck. I mean, I, I mean I'm guilty of, think you're asleep. even I'm, uh, but you know, like when 48 hours goes by, 
that message oh, yeah, is still sitting garbage. there, and I do hear that or from the old, others. The old one that says, uh, oh, I forgot to hit send. Yeah, that might happen once, but not every time. So right. That's, that's not satisfying. No. <laughs> you ever watch those satisfying? And these may not be true satisfaction more than... Pl- I think these are more... <clears throat> satisfying has something to do with me, with it. I wouldn't say it's contentment, though, so maybe there's a difference. Those satisfying videos on YouTube. I think maybe we had this discussion, or maybe... We did. I think you were talking about where, watching somebody clean up a car. Yeah, like, they'll pressure wash a dirty car, or shampoo the carpet, or even somebody like... I think part of the reason why the game Tetris took off was it was so satisfying to get those pieces in there to form that puzzle and make the lines go away. I've been watching people play Tetris online. I don't know if I've mentioned that or not, but it's insane watching these fools who are good at it just play. It makes you think you're that good at it. Of course, I haven't tried to play it yet. I don't know if I have a platform I can play it on, though someone did remind me that our TI-82 calculators had (laughs) Tetris on them, and I do remember that, and I still do have mine here somewhere. It's got a turtle sticker on it that a girl I went to high school with put a turtle sticker on, and I never took it off because it differentiated mine from everyone else's. But anyway... If I could find that, maybe I could play me some Tetris. Did you play much Tetris? I, w- I did not. I was not uh, enamored by that game in any way. I remember friends loving it. Um, I remember uh, at least one, if not two, of my friends' mothers seemed to be yep. way more into it. And these would be people, the best of my memory going way back, that would get careless about or or could care less. I don't know. You always mix me up on how I should say that. They didn't have a lot of care for any kind of video could game. Not care less. They they weren't interested in video right. games in any way. But this game not only did it interest them, but it consumed them um, in a way that you see a lot of young people getting lost in video games for whatever that's worth. But I did not have that affliction, and I'm not making any judgment about that. There's plenty of yeah. things that I find interesting that others may be like, nah, no, no one's interested in that. I, I didn't either, but I don't, I didn't play it correctly. Um, I didn't know that the whole point of the game was to get what they call a Tetris. I didn't know there was a such thing as a Tetris, which is to eliminate four lines at once. Oh. So you're supposed to build up your stack and then you were just trying to get rid of lines, lines as fast as possible. Yeah. Right? That's how I played. It was one line at a time until you died. Huh. Learning you something new lines. every day. So what you're supposed to do is build it up to do, because you get like, I don't know, four or five, maybe 10 times the amount of points. Well, that makes sense. Tetris That's also more difficult because you, yeah. you can really right. get yourself hemmed into a corner doing that. Yep. Anyway, tangent number one, um, we'll finish it up real quick. Oddly that you said that about the mothers and the um, uh, older people that had no no interest in video games when Nintendo launched the um, Game Boy they were going to launch it with Super Mario World or one of the Mario games, but instead they decided to do it with Tetris because one of the marketing people said, yeah, if you launch this Game Boy with a Mario game, it's just a Game Boy for five-year-old boys or it's a video system for five-year-old boys. But if you launch it with Tetris, it's a system that's for everybody. And boy, was that, I don't know how much of a raise or bonus that marketing guy got, but just like you're saying, I, my grandparents took my Game Boy, which I had I didn't have a lot of interest in it, really, I, by that point. I mean, I liked it. I played it a lot in the car mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but So I let them have it. because They got so much joy out of it. I almost was as happy watching them play Tetris on it or whatever they played. Then I actually got out of it, so I let them play it, and they wore it out. So whoever that marketing guy was, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. What were some of the other things you mentioned on your list? Um, 
I said Glocks. I don't want to get into too deep into gun world because it's not interesting to some God, and, but, and and really charging to others. And just to make it a mach- a mechanism, they yes, are they are satisfying because they yeah, work. Like I was the, saying, it's they the just old phrase work. I use, and, and it's not that creative, but it's just it's accurate. And that is, I don't think there's anything that's that could be counted on more than a screwdriver. By that, I mean, it's never going to run out of charge. It's, that's you. Outside of you breaking it using what's not intended for, such as a pry bar, which pry. many a young yeah. men have done, or the Phillips head. You're not a man until you <laughs> the, the Phillips head that you have stripped the teeth off that, <laughs> but a flathead screwdriver, which is really impossible outside of the pry bar situation to ruin one of those. Those that we all have will be around years after we've all been dead and gone and like uh going back to glocks there's some debate in gun world as to how long polymer will last and will my grandkids great grandkids or at what point in time will that become dangerous or or at least not uh, something you could count on because we don't really know what the longevity of these polymers are they may you know exceed us like they talk about plastics and trash and all that that these things will be around for thousands of yeah, years yeah but the integrity right. of them we're though, talking about something that handles a high down, pressure yeah. um yeah, load. they'll be around in microscopic amounts but i know what you're t- like i don't know if it'll handle the load of that slide although you know all the real pressures in that in that uh in that metal barrel in that chamber but anyway but what you're saying is more is it just it's it it's satisfying because it works. It does what it's supposed like, to do. Uh, it's not exactly, yeah, uh, I think this adds a little bit to it. They're not exactly aesthetically pleasing to gun enthusiasts, I would say. Uh, like looking at automobiles, you have the current generation of, we'll call them sedans. I don't want to get into all the others. And they, uh, by all car enthusiasts, and I mean the editors, and all this, there's just not a lot of flavor anymore in things because it's a very usual template. Um, you can even say the yeah. same for like the crossovers or whatever. They, they all look about the same. I mean, there are slight differences think- in the grill work and all, but the general shape at a distance, you're like, I don't know. What is that? Yeah. It's mostly because of safety standards and whatnot. I was explaining that to someone the other day. They're like, why don't they just make an old whatever in your insert popular car model and just make it new. It's like, well, it's because it wouldn't pass safety standards. But anyway, keep going. But um, th- there were some other items. Again, the screwdriver, my zero pitcher. I'm not plugged by them or anything, but I'll just say we drink a lot of water in my house or water-based situations, coffee, tea, whatever. And at once I had one of those filters that you screw onto the faucet and that you know, has its own drawbacks. It's a kind of a clunky thing. It it may or may not work well with faucets. And then there's the filter, which is going to be the case with either one of these. But I will tell you, we go through water at our house. I, I wish I could keep track. It'd be boring too, but several, several liters a day. And it just works up to the point when the filter needs change and it'll let you know, not with any sound, beep, lights or, or notifications. But when you go to take a drink of the water and it smells like it come out of a fish pond, it's time yeah. for a new filter. I don't know what that means, probably, but there is a hint way of a, well, you'll get a hint if you pay <laughs> real close attention uh, to like a fishy water and then you change the filter out, boom, you're ready to go. Well, you know you can make those filters last forever. All you got to do, there's a there's a filter reset button on the fridge. If you just push that button mm-hmm, and hold mm-hmm, it in, you have six mm-hmm, more months mm-hmm. on that filter. Yeah, I don't. I, I would say <laughs> that uh, I jokingly heard somebody who's not a real car person, but sort of an amateur wannabe said, you know, filters really work best when they're full anyway. And I'm like, uh, 
I'm not really sure what to do with that. What? <laughs> just meaning like they all, oh. everything's clogged up. It's catching a lot of stuff yes. now. I'm like, yeah, but it's not really letting the amount of air passage or water or right. whatever it is yeah. that it was designed to do. <laughs> that is true for... Um, <laughs> It is true what they're saying, but I, you're not going to get air. It's kind of like a pool filter. You should really let it, you shouldn't backwash it every single day. You should let it keep going, the sand filter, until, because the particulates it stops actually helps it work better until you get to a certain pressure. That's why that pressure gauge is there. And then you backwash it. That's a big one for me, too. Just things working the way they should and, and, and not letting you down, I guess, creates satisfaction. Situational satisfaction, though, too. Like when things work out, Mm. Well, they don't necessarily have to work out the way you wanted it to, but they work out like this. in a Situ- good way. The situational one, I think, what did I call it? Uh, end of race, end of a work day. Unplanned, timely things that work out. Now, by that, I mean something as simple as you're going somewhere, short trip, long trip, mostly more small to medium because long trips, it's just part of it that you realize there's, there's traffic and all these things. But like when the lights time out, just right for oh, you yeah. in a town, I get a certain amount of satisfaction from that. Like, I don't really have to check up. It's just cruise on through and it all works yeah. out. And or planning of a day. I love it when a day works planned out on a time schedule and I didn't have to sort of have to have these hard lines to make this thing stop and then that next thing start and so forth and so on. If, if you and I were going to do something in the course of a day and I had some things to do earlier in the day, I'm a little, I'm my own worst enemy here, so I'll confess to that, is because of the nature of our job with everything is on a time schedule and promise times and pickup times and all these satisfactions related to times, I get real touchy about time when I'm off. And even though I really loathe wasting time, this is where I'm my own worst enemy, I love it. When I have it set up hard start and stop times from sun up to sundown, yet everything works out. I almost get more satisfaction out of that than when I actually plan a day and everything goes executed well. It's, I know that sounds weird, but it's almost like I get bonus points. No, it's, yeah, it's like the magic of the universe. Right. I would be really satisfied as I look out my window and now has turned to nothing but rain where I'm at. <clears throat> and I have a nice, pretty Sea Rock City birdhouse. Hanging, which I think people mostly across the country have heard of Rock City. If not, it's this place in uh, Chattanooga that used to be a huge draw. Anyway, they're bird. They make birdhouses, and they're everywhere, all around the southeast, at least. Um, Marketing. I have genius. one hanging. I have one hanging out in my little garden area, and I'd say three to five feet from it is a bird just sitting hunch, hunched up in the rain. <laughs> Instead of getting in the birdhouse, like it's just, I know it's miserable. It's little heads like, you know, tucked in and it's cold. I say it's in the thirties because it was snow. Now it's rain. If it would get in that darn birdhouse, I would be very sad. Now are you, can you see the opening of the birdhouse? Has anybody got residents? That's what I'm looking at. I'm no, I'm thinking that these are holes are more for like finch size right. birds. And this is a dove, I believe. Oh, so it yeah. probably wouldn't fit. And I don't know if doves. Uh, would live in birdhouses. I've only ever seen them in nests. Yeah, so. I've never seen one either. That's a conversation for another time. Will a dove fit in a birdhouse? Will it even go in a birdhouse? Well, yeah, that's what I mean. They're pretty plump. One. Yeah. Like, I don't like a pigeon. I don't know if pigeons will go in birdhouses. They'll go in attics. Right. When I lived in Memphis, it, they would get in our attic, and uh, that caused all types of biohazards. Mm, no doubt. <clears throat> well, what's what are your list of 
random things off the top of your head, just, you know, off the cuff here. This, what's some well, things? Like, they all relate to the same thing, and that's when things work out, whether it's planned or not, or things just work the way they're supposed to. For me, for some reason, I have this, uh, this mental problem, if you could call it that, of I have to be efficient when I'm driving. It could be to the store to get some, a pack of gummy bears and come back home. Or it could be driving 500 miles. I like to be efficient. So nothing makes me happier than, or more satisfying than when cars in the left lane move out of my way. Or I can go around a car on the right and just, and then get right back over just in time before that, that, uh, that, that opportunity closes up. And I look behind me and that slow poke in the left lane has got cars behind him for a mile. Um, that's very satisfying. Uh, the sound of a good machine running. Like, I love the sound of my motorcycles with their exhaust. It's very satisfying to me. Um, it's very unsatisfying when I hear some weird noise uh, in, a, in machinery that I know is not supposed to be there. It's very irritating and agitating. But when it's not not there, it's very satisfying. Uh, I like when, I, um, when I'm on the river kayaking and I think, hey, there should be a bass or a trout or whatever in that area. And I cast... And I get a bite. It's very nice because like, I knew it, my, all my theories worked out on where it should have been. And it was there and it, it worked. Are you looking at these in the backwards way and then turning them around? Like you're th- Because I can think about a lot of times where you, you're, you can't get your gummy bears and this didn't work out. Are you like just taking real life and flipping it, flipping it to what the dream would be? Because I can think of many times fishing somewhere and it just, it just feels right. Like yeah. there's going to be... A strike right here from a fish. It just looks too good. I'm not a fish. Well, Never been a fish, to... but it looks good. And you throw in it's there fishy. and nothing. And then the explanations start. Well, maybe it's too cold. Maybe it's too hot. Maybe yeah, it's, it's too bright. Maybe it's shallower than it looks. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm not a fish. <laughs> or it's worse when you're on a on a, a world-renowned trout river and your buddy is fishing for trout. Like like he's fishing for catfish, and he catches them. It's very irritating. That's very unsatisfying. Not that that's ever happened to me a lot here in the last couple of years. That's that's bad, too. Maybe. I might be flipping it around that way. But maybe that's what makes something satisfying is experiencing the unsatisfactory. I'm not sure. I think this might have been what spawned this thought that I just started kind of mind-dumping was I might have had a day at work or home where something unsatisfactory was happening and because i find myself as i'm thinking and talking at the same time more than once at work some maybe at home but definitely at work i find myself saying either to myself yes i have an inner voice which is another conversation for another time Mm, and i find myself saying "I, i just want you to work printer computer software computer itself telephone uh what you know scale that we use You know, I'm not, I don't expect the uh, computer, for example, to answer the phone for me. I don't expect it to warm my food up, but I do expect the microwave to cook as long as I set it to cook at whatever power setting I set it at and not to just sit there and hum without actually getting the food hot, which we have had that happen before. Yeah. I would say I can differentiate too between the feeling that I get of just pleasure or something that's pleasing and being satisfied. Almost everything that is satisfying or where I feel that different feeling of satisfaction is <clears throat> where I have put either some work into it or I have thought about it and put some effort or 
like I said, I have thought of, okay, it should work this way. And it does. Whereas something can be pleasing just by like aesthetics or the sound of music, like can be pleasing or, you know, a, a, a pretty girl or I don't know the, the way they make new laptops. That's a pleasing look, you know, aesthetically or, you know, a pleasing smell or right. whatever it is. Those things are pleasing, but they're not satisfying. It'd be more satisfying if, let's say I had a beat up car and I uh, got the dents out of it, you know, painted it and you know, got it back to looking good, that would be satisfying. Whereas if I just had a car that looked nice, that would be pleasing. Not satisfying, but if I'd put some work into it, you know, and it ran good and looked good, that would be satisfying. Is happiness and satisfaction, are those things that you think get confused and do you get confused by them or have you been? Uh, I guess so. I mean, being happy though, I do think is different than satisfaction. Like it's, I don't know if you can be satisfaction maybe is long-term happiness or um, things going that you hope make you happy do make you happy. Maybe that's satisfying. Maybe if you think something's going to make you happy and it doesn't, then maybe that's not satisfaction. I don't know. Uh, I I guess a lot of people use the word synonymously, but they're not the same. Some simple definitions or comparisons I found were... um, the easiest way, I'll just kind of read it to you. It's very concise. The easiest way to compare happiness and satisfaction is by quickly looking at the characteristic of each, the state. Happiness is a state of bliss, while satisfaction is a state of contentment, which we kind of stated that. Happiness is often lost after an individual fails to achieve something, but satisfaction only decreases when the individual can't achieve something. Now, that's kind of a little mind snap right there. I'll say that again. So loss is kind of the word they're looking at of those. So happiness is often lost after an individual fails to achieve achieve something. But satisfaction only decreases when the individual can't achieve something. So so is it saying that... You can still... You can be satisfied even in the the loss at, at... you know, during the time of having some kind of loss of something. Um, but it's when it has come to attention or it's in your way that you find out you cannot do something, then now satisfaction has been decreased. It's decreased? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I guess I could see it the opposite, though. Like, let's say you set out to do something or set a goal and then you didn't achieve it. So you're like, oh, man. I did this, but it just, I'm not satisfied. It wasn't enough. And then if you found out it was unachievable, like for whatever reason, then you'd be like, okay, well, it wasn't even achievable. So now I'm okay with it. Now it's hmm. more satisfying to me. Mm. I, I, oh yeah. I, we could get into the dog and the tail thing. Uh, enjoyment. Happiness is shared and enjoyed with others while satisfaction is only enjoyed within. I would, I would agree with that. I don't think satisfaction is necessarily, I mean, it's something that we all can have, but happiness is something that you can kind of spread around. Satisfaction is definitely a self-achieved thing, I think. Right. It can have to do with other people's happiness. Like if you want someone else to be happy and you achieve that or whatever, then it gives you satisfaction. But yeah, I mean, I think it's only a self self thing and and sure. you can even be part of someone's the actions that achieve satisfaction for somebody 
like say example in the work environment it's you know uh, old hat and cliche but the team idea so if you are really being a great member of the team one could say that you are helping facilitate satisfaction for that person but but yeah. not necessarily because if this depends on the way they look at it all the successes then in there in the end it's them that's going to be satisfied regardless of what i mean <clears throat> you might could do all that you can do and it it's not enough for them to be satisfied with. Now, I, I, the last one is measurability. And so I want to do kind of a trick with you and to see what your thought is. Not that this is an absolute right or wrong. I'm not even sure who this author is, but can happiness be measured? Uh, I don't know. I don't like with a physical device or mm, even if, like even somebody- in like conversation, kind of like the old Wong Baker scale. I would think so. I mean, I, I could see where somebody could say no, but I mean, here's a trickier one. If you ask somebody to, can, can satisfaction be measured? Say a level of happiness. Uh, satisfaction is definitely. I think that's almost a yes/no. Right, it's definitely more of a yes/no, black/white. So I don't know that that can be measured. Thing. Meaning, in the terms of a volume, I, I think you can. They're, go back to the original. They say happiness can be measured where satisfaction cannot. And I guess what they mean by that is, because obviously they are acknowledging satisfaction exists or not. So that in of itself is not a measuring of it, but more of a gauge. Like It's kind of a black and white issue, I think is what they're trying to say with this, where happiness like I wonder, can be let's half say, speed. Like, for example, maybe let's say... Um, uh, you planned a huge, you're your Chevy Chase, and you planned a huge family get together at your house, and you pictured all these things happening, and and all everyone coming over, and unlike what happened at Chevy Chase's house, um, Clark W. Griswold, instead of all the bad stuff happening, nothing like that happened. It's just a certain few people didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Everyone else did, and you're happy they did, but you still kind of wish everyone would have showed up. You may say you're satisfied, but are you really? Did you really want everyone to show up? And maybe like you would have been more satisfied if everyone showed up. Well, is there a such thing as more satisfied, Mm. or are you truly unsatisfied? You're happy that it happened, period, but are you really satisfied? Probably. That's kind of what I would think the question would be. I would say it probably depends upon how you set yourself up and what your gauges and your measuring stick looks like, which I think... Well, if you can't measure it or gauge satisfaction, then maybe that's where they're getting at. Maybe they're saying you're not satisfied, although you think you are. You're just happy. I think you can move the target, though. Like, if your endpoint initially was i need everybody to be there for this to be a success but like you were saying earlier like when you get told like certain things couldn't happen for a reason and you found out aunt jenny couldn't be there because she's got the flu well you're glad she didn't bring the flu so you you move your needle you said i'm sent to be like nine out of ten people showed up but that's okay because that tenth one uh became okay with that situation because it was unachievable being that she had the flu does that make sense yeah, but then, but what if you found out, like, niece, we'll say Joanne, I don't know anyone by that name, so niece Joanne, who's at the university, doesn't show up, not because it's a long drive or a far away, or she doesn't know the way, or doesn't have gas money, or any real reason. The real reason is she, she uh, didn't want to. She um, participated in a bender the night before, and <laughs> was hungover, and didn't feel like driving to come see everyone, and was embarrassed to smell like alcohol. That wouldn't be, you know, maybe that would make it where it wasn't satisfied. I don't know. 
don't know. Mm. What would you, would you consider your life a um, level of satisfaction, or are you content, might be another way to say this, right now? And is it possible yeah. to be happy even if you haven't reached satisfaction? I think we might have already hit that. But. Yeah, oh, for sure. You can be happy. I think that's the lifelong thing. That That's that in and of itself, making people content with what they have rather than what they want is the goal of every political leader from the beginning to the end. And maybe even spiritual. I would too. say that's a, yeah, that, that's a, a mantra of a lot of groups. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I thought I would have accomplished by this age that I not think so much as, or uh, not milestones so much as things I always thought I would have and be able to do um, that I haven't gotten. And does that make me feel unsatisfied? Yeah, a little bit. Still gives me a little bit of drive to want to try to figure out how to do that. Just getting out there and doing it. So I don't know. I feel like my uh, some of the family members I know are always wanting to do this or do that or talk about accomplishing things and never did. It makes me wonder if they in the end, ever felt satisfied or if they were uh, unhappy with how their life turned out. So you can't ask them now, but you know, and not that they would ever even tell you truthfully. I think a lot of people would more tell you they are satisfied when they aren't for the, for the most part, of course, especially when it's like end of life stuff. Do you, but as far as like currently, like if they're say they're under 50 and you ask them, I think more than likely they're going to say, yes, they're satisfied. Maybe because they're embarrassed to admit they're not. Could be. Is this something that you think about much? Do you ever do like, you know, kind of gauge your day, your week, your month, your year? Uh, I don't ever think about, am I satisfied? I just think about, I want to get this done. I want to do this. I would like to do this to experience this as a goal I have to, to, to have this or that. And instead of not accomplishing that, maybe I don't, I mean, I think more about trying to accomplish things than whether or not I'm satisfied or happy. I don't really think about it a lot. I think about more about if I want to do this, how do I need to do it and need to get the ball rolling and get going? Or do I really want to do that? Is that something I really want to do because time's running out? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't think I think about it. Will my life be satisfied in the end? If I don't do these things, I think of it more in the uh, immediate. In the, in the immediate sense than the long-term sense. I, I, I think that self-satisfaction gauge, to say a mouthful, it's probably some kind of personality-dependent thing. Uh, I, would, I tend to look at these things a lot. Maybe not always from the most positive, happy-go-lucky side, but it's, there's, it's, I guess it's a plus from a negative day where I have learned a lot about myself when I have reflected upon a day that did not go the way I wanted it to go, I'm like, all right, let's kind of watch this. Like, you know, both you and I like sports. So let's like watch the film, all this in my mind. And of course I can only do it from my optics. So that's very limiting in of itself. But even that you can kind of see where your own errors are sometimes and see like, ah, uh, see, that's where the day was. Cause sometimes my problem is I have a bar set so high that all it's going to take is a couple of metaphorical red lights, and this thing is not going to go the way that you want it to go. And that's 
nobody's fault but my own because red lights are going to happen. They're part of just a timer system or some other sensors related to traffic. But it caused me to kind of look at my daily life and be like, all right, where do you find at the end of each day? I'm not going to say like I set aside at 10:15 local time. I always go through my little score sheet. No, but before the day is over, I am feeling this sense of the day is going the way I wanted it to go or the day is not. And if the day is not and there's time to do the things that maybe I've missed, that kind of gives me that get in the horse uh, saddle kind of let's get go and ride a little harder or if not I kind of have some amount of dejection about the rest of the day because I have squandered time and that is just a place where I don't, I find dissatisfaction. So so your satisfaction is heavily dependent upon accomplishment, like accomplishing goals. Yeah. And those are loosely, loosely stated. I mean, it might be that I want to watch, you know, a handful of episodes of something on YouTube or a particular series that, you know, nobody else in my family is watching. So it's guilt-free watching. In other words, it's not something I'm sharing time with anybody else. And I said it in my mind, you know, I got from this time to this time, I don't, I'm not required to be anywhere. And it's a day I'm off from work. I want to watch that show. If I don't, because I've got sidetracked into something else. Yeah. I'll have a little bit of, uh, I missed the mark. Yeah, I didn't ruin my day. I, you might be depressed, but it it factors into those things. I can't figure out. I have to think about it, and that's kind of what we do here. Um, if I'm a, a, I have often been told that I ex I have way high expectations for individuals. Like I expect the most out of certain people, really too much, and I'm often let down. But yet. I don't think I'm a pessimist. Like maybe I am. Like I, I do expect in certain circumstances, the worst thing to happen. And often, you know, like they say, if you expect the worst, you're, you're pleasantly surprised when it doesn't happen. So I expect the worst yet. I want, I have high expectations for individuals. Like I, like I expect every time I go to work the day just to go to hell. Like it's going to, it's going to be terrible. Yet I expect everyone to, perform at their maximum and they rarely do but i always expect them to why i do that and over and over again i don't know but yet i still expect the day to be terrible so i don't i don't know what that means i don't know and and whether or not i'm satisfied with the day how it went i guess does mostly depend on how much i got done or how much i was able to accomplish but i don't so i don't know if i don't i just i've often wondered am i a pessimist or because i do try to look on the bright side of a lot of things like well at least we got this that and the other done but still not going to be enough. So I don't know. Work satisfaction is, is a, I think we could have a show just in and of itself based on dissatisfaction from your, from your career. Um, So I don't know if I'm a pessimist or not. I I don't think so. But then again, when I say I always expect the worst, isn't that the definition of pessimism? Why do you think you do that? Not, not to put you on the couch here, but that's, this is just how I work. Maybe. Maybe because when it is bad, uh, you're not surprised by it. You're like, yeah, I knew it. Yeah, I knew it. Whereas if you go in thinking, man, today's going to be good. It's going to be nice. We're going to get this done. And and then it doesn't happen. You're just like, it's worse. So maybe that's some kind of uh, personal protective, mentally protective, psychological thing we all have or some of us have. Um, we'll table sort of pessimism and that negative future outlook 
because I don't consider you a negative person. So I think this could be teased out of that. I mean, there's some people that I think just have a funk about them and a negative cloud. Now, go ahead and finish what you're saying. Do you think that, though, what it has to do with satisfaction is, well, if you're pessimistic and you think, oh, it's going to be terrible, and then it is, do you get some kind of satisfaction out of that? I don't know. That is actually a question I had for, I wanted to ask you earlier, Um, sort of the same question, but it's almost the same. And uh, we'll address yours and then pick up mine. I, I think that's your way of covering your bets. Not, and I'm not necessarily saying you and putting you on the couch here, but let's just say in a generic sense, a person who might be in the habit of doing that, this is a way to have a win-win. Because if you're correct and you have a bad day, one, you've won because you made an accurate prediction. Well, that's weird because right. you're in a funk. Yeah, but I was ready for it. Okay, that's, that's a weird way to look at things. And I've done that a lot in my life. And the other to that is if you're wrong in your prediction and the day just sails and everybody exceeds, yeah, you had a you have a minor X that your prediction was wrong. But you really won because the day won, because everybody outperformed any of your expectations. So it is, I think, some sort of safety net to prevent uh, apprehensive actions or negative situations or pain and fear. Because if you are callous, it's kind of the idea of a mental callous that if you, you know, which is going to be like, you know, where your shoe or a glove or, or a tool has rubbed you over and over and over again. Well, it kind of builds up as we all say this callous, which is kind of a protective layer against the hammer in the future or the glove or the shoe or whatever. It's kind of a weird thing to self-induce, but I think there's a lot of psychology that would go into that. I definitely had this at a point in my life where I feel like I had to insulate myself from negative impacts. How did I do that? Creating them in my mind, which is a weird little way of doing that. What about buyer's remorse? Now, I know you, I would say that's something that you rarely get, but maybe it's because you have prepared yourself for it so well from maybe having it in the past. And I work to avoid it drastically. Right. Right. I don't say I work to avoid it because usually when I buy an object, no matter what it is, I want it really badly. I don't want things that I don't have use for, except for maybe some kind of like collectible stuff that we've talked about before. Every now and then I see all that stuff and I'm like, why do I have all this? But then again, most of the time I look at them like, that's so neat. I could look at this forever. Mm -hmm. But like whether it's cars or tools or, or guns or accessories for the motorcycle or I don't, it just, I rarely have buyer's remorse, but I have a friend of mine who gets it all the time. Uh, or he seems like he does. Um, he's always trading vehicles. He's always getting a new one. And it could just be that, uh, you know, people could say, well, it's just, he likes getting new, new cars, which is true. I would love to do that. But at the same time, I don't do it because like I want to get my value out of the car, but that's a whole other psychological thing. But I think it's buyer's remorse because he starts talking about how much it costs and he's going to get it paid off. And if he doesn't get it paid off, he could just trade it in for this and get another one and on and on. And I think he just buys it and then he realizes it doesn't make him happy trying to fill in a, mm. uh, a pit and it's just buyer's remorse. So he's in that sense, it's not giving him the satisfaction that he thought it would. And be. nothing ever will. Right. You don't know if anything will. Maybe he'll find it in something. I don't know, but we'll That's see. That's a scary loop to get lost in, and I have seen 
where people are stuck in that. I've definitely participated at points in my life as well where you're buying happiness with trying to with an item. And I think it's achievable for a day or two days or two weeks or something that you, you know, you very well may have bought something. I'm not sure if it's happiness, but some kind of delight, I would say. What are, I mean, you don't have to say if you don't want to, but I'll say two things that I were big purchases for me in their own relative mind that I have gotten a lot of satisfaction out of. I would say it's the best two things I ever purchased. Now, some people be like, ooh, your education, your whatever. No, 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 no. I don't mean stuff like that. You mean that. tangible? I mean, yes. One of them is my fishing kayak. I, I have gotten so much enjoyment and satisfaction out of that thing. It was the best $700 or how much ever it was that I ever spent, especially when I saw they can go for thousands, some of them. Oh, yeah. Um, and my uh, motorcycle. Like, it just... It was very expensive for what it is, and you know how they are. Right. Um, but I just, when I ride the thing, I just get so much satisfaction out of it. They were both fantastic. Um, I've enjoyed the automobiles I've purchased. I enjoy the house I live in, but they haven't quite lived up to at least the surprising satisfaction that I've gotten out of that fishing kayak and that motorcycle. Those two things are my favorite thing. You think of something that just, it never lets me down. Even if I rarely do I have, get skunked on the water, which if you don't fish, getting skunked means you don't catch a fish. Um, because just kayaking in general is so like being out in nature, it just like riding the motorcycle. If it may be cold, but you're out there seeing things and. I don't you kind of covered your fantastic. own bets again with that. And I don't know if that was your intention or not, but it sure worked. Like you, your yeah, worst day fishing satisfaction. is a kayak trip. Yeah, that's true. And I think as Except long when, as you look well, at it that way, you always have satisfaction attributed to it. I have taken things that were fun and hobbies and ruined them. Not permanently, but definitely during that time of my life where I, my example is becomes a mission. deer hunting. And it was yeah. a hobby that I enjoyed tremendously before I had kids. And it was a way to spend time with friends and sometimes it was also a way to have alone time and there was that aspect of being in nature there was that idea of learning how to provide for yourself because back to the basic elements of hunting and taking game and preparing and all that that was something that i got to go through learn and do and it, it feels good to like there's a certain satisfaction that bringing something to the table literally for a meal that you didn't go buy. I don't know. There's some level oh, yeah. of satisfaction. You'll hear Rogan talk about it on his podcast sometimes. There's just something about that. And I don't know what it is, but it, it's it's almost like you've you done heard? something the hard way and provided you know, nutrition and or enjoyment for yourself and others. There's like all these additive things that go to that. He often has the hunter chef on there, and I've heard him talk about stuff like that frequently. Have you ever listened to him when the hunter? Maybe you just didn't know that's who it was. He's a Canadian. I a, think I've heard those, but I'm not sure because he has a lot he of hunting. Wild game at his restaurant, but yeah, he does. He even has. Didn't he have Ted Nugent on? There he has. I have times? not heard that one yet. But he's not as crazy as I thought he would be. But he's definitely entertaining. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
anyway. But that eventually yeah, that right. turned into a bad thing. Not not that thing we were just talking about the hunting because it, it went right. from this is something I was enjoying to it turns in sort of a production. By that, it, and this may just be my personality, and I might be the only one or of, of a limited population that turned something that was fun and interesting into a production-related thing where it's like, hmm, I've got this much money in equipment. i got this much money in the lease to the property that I'm on and this much time. Like There's a cost to everything that's not just mm-hmm. the wallet cost. And if you don't go do it, you feel like you've wasted it. Right. And that's yep. I started feeling like that. Well, then on the top of all that, I really needed to check the box of taking a game for that season. It wasn't necessarily the, to the high bar of like every week or every time I went, but before the season was out, I needed to take something. And that it just became a, this high pressure thing that I would abandon even some of the normal hunting principles to try to do things just to keep pushing the odds in the favor of it happening, which there's not really a effective way to do that. But it, it be, made me antsy and I wanted to get out and do. And then I got to where I just detested going because I felt like, all right, it's going to be another day. It's, you know, I wanted to do this. I want to succeed. I want to enjoy it. Well, it's rainy and windy great i can't control that but i'm gonna go because i set out to go and it's getting close to the end and i haven't achieved my goal and it all timed out good because uh by the point that i was at the end of my rope with how i was with myself is when my son was born i'm like hey time to take a break i've got a baby at home that my wife is gonna need help with and i need to be present as my young son is growing and not be going in the woods all the time in the winter so it was my a clean break from that, and I have not fallen back into that. We uh, he's getting old enough, for yeah. Him and and we have been a couple times, and it's been a lot of fun taking him. I don't know that I could ever get back into that same sort of the passion. I don't know they'll ever well, be there, other than to do things through his eyes. Tangent number two for today. <clears throat> I have heard. I've never been a hunter. I was always interested in it. My granddad did it. My dad just did it, and it wasn't something... He didn't even have firearms growing up, which maybe that's why I like them. It was something I didn't have access to, but was interested in. But my grandfather did, um, but, you know, that wasn't at my house. Um, But I have heard that hunters often can go through... They have basically three stages. The first stage is just getting out there and getting a kill, getting harvesting something, Mm -hmm. just anything, especially deer hunting. Then the second stage is trophy hunting, like getting... The, the biggest, the, you know, the how many ever point buck that you can get. And then the third stage, if you keep hunting long enough, you kind of just go into the um, conservationist type. Like you, you're out there and you don't necessarily have to pull the trigger and kill anything, but you're really into trying to get the deer population healthy for whatever reason, whether you think you're helping other hunters or just helping what you've taken from over the years. Um, but you're just into it like... You have a feeder, you go out there and you're preparing the the uh, hunting area. I mean, yeah, with, you know, I don't mean like bait no more, which is illegal and all that stuff, but I've heard those are the three phases people often go to if they stay in it long enough. Maybe you, I don't know if you'll get, I mean, I know you're, you're not, you're very pro nature, not anti or anything, but I've heard that from people. And it seems that's uh, true for one of my friends who's a big hunter. He, uh, he's kind of more into it, like, just getting out there and seeing the animals and seeing if they're healthy and stuff like that. Maybe because they've been a part of his life his his entire being. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it was 
about something else that was going on in my life at the time with the way that work. I mean, a lot of how my brain shapes around thoughts, feelings, and day-to-day life are a reflection from work or anti-reflect, you know, whatever, because we all have to work. And depending on what your work is, is to, you know, there may be good and or bad experiences um, associated with that. But like the time thing that I mentioned earlier, my look at time and I think this is also just true as humans age, the older we get, it seems like more and more people focus more and more on that. And they start looking at the, you know, time is like cash or maybe even more valuable because you can make more money. Uh, at least some people will say that, but you only have so much time, whatever that is. And what you put your time into it means more to me now. And I think that's kind of manifesting itself in this sort of production of the day is I feel really guilty squandering time. And I don't mean guilty about having relaxing time because I think everybody should have that. I just want to put it on a calendar, like from nine o'clock in the morning to lunchtime, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, whether that's read, watch something, do this or do that. But it, I feel guilt at the end of the day if I didn't like box that in. So at some point, I've got to get over this scheduling thing. Otherwise, I'm going to be arguing with myself forever. Yeah. You will get no satisfaction of your time away from nope. work. That is that is the key to part of my dissatisfaction right now or having an unsatisfactory moments is my own dealing with time. So do you back to, I don't know, 20 minutes ago, do you have something you can think of that you were just talking about purchases that you have gotten a lot of satisfaction out of, or is everything kind of, since you, you hedge your bet as you will, as you say, uh, you pretty much everything you get is pretty, um, does what you think it should do. I, th- I think the, the MacBook fact, falls into that. <clears throat> it was frustrating at first and I'm still learning. Yeah. But it, I, I didn't like the learning curve and there's still lots of things that I don't know, but it's been so long since I've owned my own PC. It's not even, I don't even have that to blame now. It's just a matter of right. getting familiar and, and learning and doing things and going from your iPhone, in my case, to an iPad, to the MacBook. Things work differently. I mean, you have different operating systems and I know some intelligent nerd persons just slapping their forehead right now, but to the consumers, you get used to doing things this way or that way, and then they don't work on this or that the other platform that way. And I find myself doing this on one. Oh, wait, let me go grab the iPad. It's easier to do that on that. And I don't know if it's something as easy as editing pictures and tweaking things. I can do some things better on a phone versus iPad versus the computer, depending on what that is. So your MacBook. Yeah. It's it seems to be exceeding expectations because I don't remember when I bought this now. Fifteen? Does that sound right? I don't know. We were talking about that at, at the beginning of so. your foray into that. I'm sure there's other things. I don't want to. I'm getting a lot of use out of mine. That's for sure. I've, I didn't have a laptop for so long. I just got used to the whole iPad world. And now when I go back to my computer at first, I was almost like, ugh, why do I, why don't I just go back to the iPad? I've learned it. It's, but now that I have the computer and I'm using it more, mm-hmm. I remember why I liked it better in the beginning. There are some things I don't like about it. Like I did get used to like, say for instance, when I'm at night, just laying in bed, got the iPad there. I liked to where the keyboard wasn't in front of me and kept me, you know, 12 or how many ever inches away from the 
away from the screen. Like that's always an issue. There's like the pillow wants to get on it or <laughs> whatever. But definitely the option. Like it's it's better to use a computer for so much. So I'm liking that so far too. I'd have to maybe. Hopefully, eventually, I'll add that to my list. There are odd things in my life that I find satisfaction of, and every now and then I'll get like a weird little reminder and maybe some sort of internal grin. I have this, uh, like my keys for my truck and house and everything. That's the keys that I carry around with me all the time. It's not like one of the backup pair, but it's I, there's a little carabiner thing on there, but that's not what I'm getting to. There's a, I don't know, six to eight inches of paracord that I tied onto it that's orange. And I picked that color because while I do like it, but it stands out. So it's so many things, devices and technology or whatever are dark colors, it seems like. And the whole world just absorbs itself, whether it's your you know, Iron Man training shorts are black and you can't distinguish them between your swim trunks. It's like, I, that, that drives me nuts is that not being able to distinguish things easily and things get lost in their own camouflage of your home. And as weird as that sounds, one, it's kind of tied in the loop big enough that it can fit on my wrist loosely. And it's also this kind of orange color. Well, I get great satisfaction, which uh, is weird uh, out of that loop that I made and the knots I tied in that because there will be times where I'm fumbling with a handful of things coming out of the automobile or you know going places and I'll just slip it on like a bracelet because I can't it's going to be an ordeal and I don't want it to be in my pocket because then I'm not going to be able to get to it but if it's hanging on my wrist I can still unlock and lock with the remote um, the orange color always makes it something that's visible and I've even used that to tether to different things and different applications in time so just a real, kind of a weird so it's thing. working like you yeah oh, absolutely hope it would so, so see it seems like cheap. everything we've talked about satisfaction the difference in that and then happiness is we had some kind of idea of what it would do and then when it does what you think it would do or if it does it better unexpectedly you get satisfaction out of it now do you get satisfaction out of <clears throat> non-toyota owners having car trouble no I, I I don't get satisfaction out of people's That's not true. That's not demise. true. Demise. When, when Alabama loses, you don't uh, get satisfaction. That might be a certain bias. I, <laughs> I still feel for the team because it's not the team that I have an issue with, but that's another story. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because there's still someone who put their I'm best effort into now, something <laughs> and it just still didn't work. <laughs> Rarely, but yeah, it still. No, it's well, my, my uh, maybe last question, if not, we'll foray into another tangent. How does one get satisfaction from a negative? I was thinking about that too. Like, I, that's why I was going to ask, can you get satisfaction from other people's failures? And I think some people do. I don't know what that says about them or what that means. I rarely get it, but I'm kind of with you on that. Um, I mean, no, mine I is a little different twist of this but, question. Yeah. And by that, by it's maybe poorly worded. And that is, so you have built up stress during the day or in some moment of your life. And the idea of, have you ever gotten just so frustrated at life or a thing or people or something that you wanted to throw your laptop in the pool or you wanted to, uh, throw the hammer through a piece of drywall or you wanted to go shoot some clay pigeons, something about a, a release. And I don't want to get into to promoting something that's like breaking things, but there, you know, either that is real or some sort of weird analogy of that is because that's what people say a lot of times. And for some people, that's what they do. And then there is a relief 
So do you gain satisfaction? I don't know that I call that happiness, but is there something satisfying in getting that negative sort of mojo out of you? I think that has something to do with cavemen brain in us. Oh, this thing ain't working. It must destroy. I don't, I don't know. That does make me wonder though, is frustration the true opposite of satisfaction or is like every other emotion or like other emotion is just apathy, the opposite of satisfaction or is, I guess we should say like the, what we worded it in other, other issues with emotions or feelings is <clears throat> frustration, the mirror image of satisfaction. Hmm. I don't know if it is, but it seems to be tied into this. And I think so, because it, frustration is when you, to me, rather than unhappiness, it's when you have hoped something would work out. Or expect something You tried to, to do something, or ex- yes, or expected it, and it doesn't. So I would think so. Maybe frustration is the mirror image of uh, satisfaction. I don't know that I can answer the negative question, which is why I, I mentioned that. I don't... Uh, <clears throat> I guess you would get immediate satisfaction from destroying something that angered you. But, but not even the something. Like, well, but like, have you ever... <laughs> that MacBook at the bottom of the pool, that's about 13. Right. Let, let's say you don't want to do that. But if you have you ever just like screamed or like pound your fists on the desk? Like you're not trying to destroy the desk, but there's a certain negative energy in you that you want to dissipate. Yeah, I think that... But I think that has something to do with emotional release rather than... Anything we've talked about. I think that's a different. No. Yeah. I don't think it's directly correlated other than this. I think if you don't allow for that or have a way to do that, that your ability to have satisfaction is going to be buffeted by this sort of negative steam that's in your head. Does that make sense? I I think the over containment of negatives will have a direct relationship with whether you are able to experience satisfaction or not. You might have had a day where the traffic all worked out fine. You might have a day where work and you met and exceeded every expectation, but you can have some negative energy in you because you had a quarrel with somebody in the family or something that none of that stuff allowed you to have satisfaction. Like None of those things that we all have mentioned that cause or we have, get satisfaction from is able to be obtained because now you get this sort of thing that's swirling around that's blocking you from even feel does that make sense yeah so i think some in some circumstances you couldn't be satisfied without first experiencing a negative but also you're also with that train of thought and i think that's definitely true but also with that area of thinking or whatever you want to call it um you're also um hinging on relief rather than satisfaction and like you're relieved it didn't go bad. Is that really satisfaction? Is there a difference in like relief versus satisfied? I, maybe they're just uh, maybe they're cousins or something. I don't I don't know. And I, I'm just looking at slightly different off of this. I think, and that is if you have a handful of things that you have not got off your chest, for example, <clears throat> and you've got this sort of man, I really need to vent about this or I need to go run or I need to go hit the punching bag or whatever. And you don't do that. That I I think you limit your ability to experience satisfaction. I don't think the two are directly related. Like you talked about it, it's a relief or not a relief thing, but I think you can have factors in your life, emotions, situations, and things that 
interfere with all of the ways that we have listed here about how you do and don't have satisfaction, you can have those. You can meet all those criteria. But in this case, you can have uh, negative experiences with coworkers, with your wife, with your children, with you know strangers or whatever, and to a degree that nothing will be satisfying around you. There might be satisfaction that's kind of laying somewhere in the background, but you're not able to even experience it because between you and it is this sort of bad smelling gas for lack of a better animation. And until you like leak that out of the room that's in your head, you're, you're just not able to. And I think that is part of the world of, of people who don't have the ability to experience satisfaction. I think it's because they don't have a way of like letting out sort of bad steam, if you will. So it's kind of like one thing's getting in the way of the other. You can't be satisfied with X until Y is taken care of. Sort of, is yeah. what you're saying, in, in a way. Or sort that, of. That, t- that but ties in. Kind of like uh, receptor blockers, not to get this too technical into like pharmacology and those kind of things of medicine, but it, you could have uh, all the feel-good drugs in the world in your system, XYZ drug that's supposed to make you feel better or whatever, but if you have something in your system that actually attaches to the receptors and or blocks out the feel-good drug, it don't matter how much feel-good drug you take. Until you kick those things off the receptors, in this case, my poor analogy is related to bad experiences of of the immediacy. I don't know that you're able to even experience satisfaction. I don't know what somebody would do about that. I guess they. I think this is where this is that thing of look at it. Everybody needs to have an exercise of some kind, and that doesn't mean everybody runs or bikes or hits a punching bag. Maybe everybody needs to paddle down the river more often, or what? I, I think. We've got to have a way to like tap into that uh, dirty room part of our head where all the steam goes because it's in a civilized society, there's going to be moments of dissatisfaction, of moments of expectations aren't met and, and just negatives. And because we're not in a world of just slapping the next person, hopefully, there you're enough of these and it's going to build up. Now, maybe that dissipates just over time on its own, but I don't think it will after a while. You think your motorcycle riding clears your head? I've heard people say that. Uh, yeah, in a way, yeah. Either that, or I think about more stuff. I, <clears throat> the whole mind clearing thing, I'm still trying to get a grasp on. I don't, I don't know that I can have a mind, but it does allow me to think about stuff in in different ways, <clears throat> for sure. So, yeah, I don't know about. <sighs> That's a whole other thing. Talking about clearing your head. I don't know that that happens with me, and I don't know if it does with everybody. Huh. This is data voice conversation. Here's one thing: for these people who don't have, we were talking about this a second ago, or you know, the other day, touched on it a second ago as a joke. But those people who don't have internal dialogue don't know how you could ride a motorcycle because or drive long distances. What are you doing? Like I, I've even asked people before, like, what are you thinking about? You know? And they said, I don't think like, they are. are. You sitting there going, Durr. I think they're just running a program called 10 and two. Make sure nothing runs out from me. All right. That, there's a car over there. Yeah. But no, no, but see, you're having internal dialogue right there. Are they just picturing? It? I think, yes, no, I think whole, that's all do. they're doing. The one person have have that I have talked that. to recently that or said discussion. they had no inner dialogue. It was like abstract pictures was all there was there. I do both, but definitely I talk to myself, especially on the motorcycle. So. We will have to do a little bit of exhaustive sort of Googling before we do that, just to see, because all right now we have our two people's opinion on that. But what little bit I have read uh, yesterday, I think it was, 
one article, and I don't remember where it's from now, but it, it, it that doesn't matter. We'll dig into it later. But 26% do. That's a large percentage that don't. Do have internal uh-huh. dialogue, you're saying? Yep. I talked to someone else who they said the opposite. They said that it was 26% don't. So I haven't looked up anything, so I definitely need to look at that for sure. But when they've told me that, well, that makes more sense, but I can't imagine that 70% of the earth, I think that it's uh, it's a, um, a misunderstanding of a question. But we're getting way far off on tangent three here. I know everyone's on the edge of their seat. This about satisfaction. This bird is still not in the birdhouse. <laughs> so it's, it's still sitting there, miserable, unsatisfied with its life. Maybe um, there's a bird inside the house that's not allowing him in. and Or maybe he is just, he, he, he or well, she a, has really done something wrong. So maybe it, it's a dove. And aren't they like paired? Been told they're like, yeah. Where's the mate? I don't know. I don't see it. Unless, <clears throat> maybe it's somewhere nearby in the bush. Are mallards life paid, um, mm, lifelong? You've pairs? exceeded my knowledge base. I don't know. I don't know. There are animals that do this, female but mallard. I know penguins supposedly do. I thought dove was one. I'm pretty sure that's right. Anyway, at least until dove season. Any more on satisfaction? Are you satisfied with this podcast? Never. Me- meaning, <laughs> I mean I, this. No, no, no. Meaning, I always think of more that we could always do without. Oh yeah, being overboard. Sure. But any more bullets or anything you've written there? We need to get out. No, it's only I, an hour and eight minutes I, so far. I, I mean, I think, I think that, and you don't seem as interested in it as I do, and maybe I've just not formed it in the right sentences. That idea of things that can get in your way of satisfaction, whether that be my poor examples of you know being steamed up at somebody. But looking at anything that can get in your way of satisfaction, I think is a real important thing for somebody to do in that and or kind of gauge yourself and day. And the people always want take home messages in classes and in conversations that are in depth of any kind. My take home message would be a value. If you've never done it, if you don't do it regularly, at least do it once every something what are you satisfied with and what aren't you? Um, I mean, if it's something you do too much, I think you should probably also look at that as well. But if you're not satisfied, why is that? Is it because your expectations are always off the charts? Are you maybe like you are? And it might be this sort of co-defensive thing where if I always expect something cruddy, then I'm not going to be disappointed. And if I am surprised, it's going to be great, which I can't really fault that because I've done that a lot. I think that's more of um, being in a situation where you can't control all the variables. Uh, yeah, and you can't satisfy certain individuals. <clears throat> you don't necessarily have that in life in general. It's more of a work-related oh, no. thing. It's, that's more of a work thing. Like corporate America is unsatisfiable. So, one of the tidbits that this, uh, as far as the things getting in your mm-hmm. way to that, it's not that I'm not interested. I just think maybe, maybe you don't have that. Now that I think about it, yeah, I was going to say maybe I figured that out. With the childhood that I've had, <clears throat> the bringing up, I found ways to get around that. And so now I just don't let things do that anymore. Like I just, well, yeah, okay, well, that's not going to ruin my day or my life or my, ooh, down the bird's eating a worm. Not satisfactory for the worms family. <laughs> Definitely not. So maybe I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't allow that anymore. There were, definitely wasn't uh, satisfied as a kid. 
<clears throat> very often and would always worry about stuff. And <clears throat> I guess more, especially in my twenties, it just, maybe I found a way just not to let that happen. I don't know what my method is, but I don't, I mean, maybe when I get older, it'll all come back. Who knows? I don't think it's a mechanism. I just, but, but as a side note, what we were talking about as far as other things getting in the way, that definitely can happen, but sometimes you just have to, um, put that aside or, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, compartmentalize it and then move on and then go back to that compartment later. Yeah, I think that's it. Maybe I do that better. People say compartmentalization can be bad, but in this circumstance, maybe it's good. I think it's bad, it right, later. if you just build a library of old books you never open. Yeah, you got a Tupperware full of hatred right. <laughs> or disappointment. Yeah, and then you go back and explore it one day and it's rotted and now it smells worse than it even did to start with. And one of the advices was uh, in one of these articles I had read was because it tended to be that satisfaction a lot of times hinged on stuff. And this was just kind of a general generic feel good thing. But it was, you know, spend money more on experiences, which sounds like it was brought to you by Travelocity or something. But I hear a lot of people saying that don't get married to buying the next whatever your hobby, improving the, all these other little things that you could touch. But if you spend your money on like going to New York or going to Chicago or going to the beach or whatever you're going in this world and the travel and experiencing that with people, that that is in some people's eyes, money better spent. I do know people that do not view that that, that way. I think it's got to be both. Definitely. I have a friend who has almost no, and I mean almost no, um, and he's got plenty of money, almost no possession type things. He doesn't have a car. He even has holes in his underwear. Like, <laughs> And I know this because we shared a room on a trip recently and uh, his underwear was sitting out on the bed while he's in the shower and it had holes in them. And, and this is a very wealthy man. I was like, this guy don't spend any money on anything <laughs> except experiences. And I asked him one time, I was like, do you not want some nice things? He's like, I'd rather spend my money on experiences. And I think he was being a little cliche to be funny, mm-hmm. to poke fun at me. But <clears throat> I think Adam Carolla one time said on a podcast way back when, <clears throat> as far as spending money on things, he's like, it's okay to spend something th- that you touch every day or that makes you happy. As long as it does make you happy and it's not just filling a hole, like he thinks it's okay to spend money on a nice car. If it's something you're in every day, you spend a lot of time at your, in your car and you spend a lot of time at work and you spend a lot of time at home. So those three things it's okay to invest in if, you know, not, not to say go bankrupt and go buy a hundred and something thousand dollar automobile just because you think that's what right. you need, but it's okay to get the leather package. If you want a leather steering wheel and seats and you want to feel good, if you have a huge commute commute. And I kind of agree with that. Like, I'm not saying you should buy, buy, buy things, things, things. But at the same time, you can also get a feeling of emptiness from never accumulating anything that you that's tangible. And you could say, well, I've spent all this money and have nothing to show for it, except, you know, if you have great memories, then maybe there's that and pictures of those things. But sometimes it is nice to have physical things, tangible things to look at and enjoy at least for some people but you know like everything everybody's different i think it's important so to know balance of who you are and by that i mean know you know if you're a person that just has to have something 
Well, I mean, that's something to explore for sure and look into. But the denial of that sounds like it's going to create negativity for you. And the flip of that is, as weird as it sounds, I know people who have tremendous levels of self-denial. They have the very basic of automobiles. They have a very basic and meager home. But they enjoy the fact that when they look at their bank account and their savings and their retirement and all that, it is at the level that it is that gives them a level of satisfaction that not anything could do. I think those are few people, we critic- but I know a couple of those right off. And we could criticize people for that, but if it gives them satisfaction, that's just their, gives, yeah, no, that's now, their gadget. That's yeah, and that's another conversation. Like. Not you may not get satisfaction out of what somebody else does, and maybe trying to get them to see your light. I mean, that's a whole other issue. But maybe they do get satisfaction out of it. I don't know. You just have to know, like you said, know yourself, and and what can you do if you not getting satisfaction? Well, what things are prohibiting that, and can you change them? And if you can, do it. If you can't, maybe you need to just not infatuate over it. Because if you're a person who who tries to be the non-spender and you meager everything, but you're still not happy. I think you need, you got to look at that as well. And if you're the person who is just buying the next thing to try to fill the hole and then there's still a hole and then you're buying another thing to fill a hole. And that's, that's just the cycle that you live and feel. And there's really never any extended moments or periods of satisfaction I don't think the buying anything is fixing that. I think that may need to be observed and kind of looked yep. at yourself. Just an endless pit. It is. Uh, I don't know that there's anything in this life more valuable than self-evaluation. Healthy self-evaluation. I don't think it should be something right. to right, obsess yeah. about or anything, but a proper and healthy self-evaluation because if you don't do it, that that's problematic. Um, I, and there's no way to know who and what you are if you don't do that. It, that it's kind of like that whole inner voice thing. It boggles my mind that people d- that may or may not do that. I wonder if they're more or less satisfied. That'd be an interesting study. I bet they're more. Uh, Only because I maybe I grouped them into a ignorance is bliss. I, I do think that's true. That bliss almost falls into what's happiness. I don't know if they even know what satisfied is. If in the terms of they don't, they wouldn't know unsatisfaction either, right? Because it's usually tied to contentment, and there definitely didn't sound like their contentment there. Well, I don't have much more about you. No, that's my take home. You should self evaluate, take a look at yourself besides the mirror, should look inside, see what's there. My take home is to get a birdhouse big enough for (laughs) doves. That would satisfy me. Well, all right. Between now and next time I'll look into that, will doves actually <laughs> go into a birdhouse? We'll have some, was it an ornithologist? What is it? Yeah, bird? that's ornithology. Ornithology. They'll definitely know. Well, until next time. Go look for a birdhouse big enough for a dove. Seen a bunch of run-down doors, towns where the church is the backbone loves and the plow and the five-string melodies grooving.